I'm the three-week hangover you're stuck with after getting drunk on democracy. Robbie Krieger-Smith. And the hangover is real, but I am ready to go again. I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And this is Political R&D. What's the title of this episode, Deirdre? The title is The Hangover is Real. Excellent. And of course, we are back to recap the Canadian general election. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost glad that we waited because, you know, a few things happened within or after the first week of the election. Namely, you know, one of the leaders stepped down, which was kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, would have changed what we were talking about. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't one of the three we would like to see step down. That is true. Um, and so let's let's start with, I guess, let's start with the Liberals. And what we're probably looking at is, you know, what what do they do moving forward? And what do they do to prepare themselves for election 2023? Because it's never too early to start talking about that. <laughs> yeah, well, f- first off, they're not going to make it to 2023, so get that notion out of your head. Um, I think that what you're going to see is the Liberals are going to govern very similar to how Stephen Harper did with his first uh, minority government. And the reason for that, they have considerable more resources than the NDP does, and the NDP can't afford to trigger a snap election. So they're kind of beholden to the Liberals right now, at least for the next year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why you've seen Trudeau, even though it is minority, it's a fairly strong minority. And he doesn't require a lot of support to be able to pass legislation. So I think that um, that's why you haven't seen him look at establishing a formal coalition or inviting somebody from the NDP into the Liberal caucus. And so that's my prediction is that for the next year, it's kind of just business as usual. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that. And I, I will actually say as well that when we were doing our pre-election podcast, we actually called it so well that uh, we don't really need to talk about what happened because we technically already did. Hey, for the first time ever, our predictions came true. We're right. we're, bat, we're batting fifty percent now. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, because we've been through two. Um, and you know, I think uh, so. Here's this may be an unpopular opinion. No, it will be. But I, I'm not sure that they are going to. I'm not sure that Trudeau will. Uh, be pushed out as leader? No, I think if they had a majority, there was a stronger chance that he'd be pushed out. And you and I know some people that know some people, um, and you know how the rumor mill works, but um, some well-placed sources in some ministerial offices had alluded to the fact that there was a movement underway to push Trudeau out. I think because there is a minority government now, you're not going to see that happen. Well, and I think that, I mean, other than, like, he had he had an election, or sorry, he had a last term that was very, very personal, right? It, it didn't seem to be the, and now granted, I'm talking about outside of Alberta, it didn't seem to be that liberal policies were the problem. It was it was actually Trudeau himself that was the center, like almost um, like Stephen Carter always says, when your campaign manager is in the news and you're not, there's a problem, right? And that's and that was the thing is that it was it was so 100% Trudeau that that they basically ended up running an entire election on him. That that was yeah. a, that was him. I think in a lot of ways, that's how they ran 2015 as well, was they were running on his personality. 
Yes, yeah, <laughs> totally. And it was an asset in 2015. It was a detriment in 2019, um, especially when the blackface stuff came out. And but, you know, Teflon Trudeau. Right, and I mean he. I, I think that I think they could win another election if he has a good term. If 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 he is not the focus, and it can be the party and what the party's accomplishments are, I think he could he could win a majority government in twenty twenty three. I think he wins a majority government if Andrew Scheer survives in April. <laughs> and I think that that election probably happens around 2021, mid to late 2021. Oh, you're not giving them much time at all. No, year and I, a half, I, two years. I'm giving them at least three, but possibly four if things if things are going well, but not too well for the other parties. So if if the blocks fundraising doesn't pop up, same with the NDP. Um, you know the, the CPC will be fine, but but actually let's just go into the CPC now because I I mean I absolutely believe that Sheer has to go. But have you seen what some of the interesting things that are going on? Um, this movement of oh, there's something online. It's moderateconservative.ca, and there is a push. There's more than one push, and there's quite a few people. I mean, you know, noted snowflake leftist uh, um, Lauren Gunter of Edmonton Sun fame. (laughs) Actually, and it's so funny watching these conservatives who Andrew Scheer was the best man for prime minister, and 48 (laughs) hours later, he's the whole reason that the CPC lost, and he wasn't ever fit for duty, and if by some miracle Sheer survives <laughs> this leadership review in April, you bet your ass all these commentators that are scribing their words online and in paper are going to regret that oh. um, because it's going to come back to haunt them when they inevitably go to endorse him again. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, so, I wonder, is, but is, uh, is what is what Charles Adler has been doing, which was, I'm a conservative, but I don't agree with this. I'm a conservative, yep. but has has that maybe, I mean, is there is there a chance that Lauren Gunter has done a little bit of soul searching and said, you know, I I don't like it either, and maybe it's time that I stand up. Is Is there a is there any possibility that this is just no no dominoes? <laughs> not <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, no, not for Lauren Gunter, that's for sure. Um, I I believe that what's probably most likely to happen is Sheer gets dumped in April, and mm-hmm. you either have the party move really far to the right, or you have them try and move to the center. It could get worse. It could get worse. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I, and ultimately I think what is going to wind up happening is that the CPC is going to splinter again. Yeah. Before being reformed and reunited as a more progressive conservative party. But I, I think that what's going to wind up happening is that people are going to, this populist phase is going to fizzle. And now what's going to happen is people are going to realize that in Canada, in order to be uh, viable as a electoral alternative, you either have to be center or you have to be further to the left. And uh, so I think that that's probably the most likely outcome Obviously, there's some other things in play, like whether or not Sheer survives the leadership review, um, whether or not somebody credibly comes out and whether Challenge. it's not, well and challenges him. Yeah. And, you know, I think Peter McKay doing that a little bit was a bit of that. Um, and I'm a believer that where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you but know, the, the, the complete denial after the election. Yeah. <laughs> was well, he, funny. Yeah, well, he was using the Kenny Doctrine, which is one degree of separation, right? Oh, I'm not organizing. 
in brackets, <laughs> my friends and donors are. Yep. I just I just stayed relatively silent while everybody else pushed the story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait, wait two or three days and get it out there. Um, right. But when even uh, Kevin O'Leary, who endorsed Share, is off the Share bandwagon, <laughs> um, he he's not long for the world. Okay, well now and and is this something that that people do like they. They back their horse, and if they're, you know, and if they don't win, is it normal for them to just back off? Because, because it's not like this was a, I guess technically, you know, it was a national leadership race who was going to lead the country, but it wasn't really a leadership race, right? Where it was divisions within the party, although there should have been. But, you know, so so how do you? How does he lose the election? And then people are like, yeah, no, he never should have. You know, he's, he's not leadership material. And it's like, <laughs> you, you know, I, I love. And I've made this my I've made this my uh, header on Twitter, which is the copy that someone made. And I can't remember his name right now, but he he put all of the opinion pieces that were sheer is the best choice for Canada. Right. That is now my that's my Twitter header. Uh, I noticed that across, right? Because, but it was so like, yeah, to see to see some people turning and oh yeah, Sheer's not the leader, and it's like, okay, but we heard nothing but how Sheer was the leader. Yeah. <laughs> he was the one to take it. So this bothers me on so many levels because if you really didn't believe in him, like like it was just for power, really? Yeah. And I, okay, and I hate to say that, like I don't get it, but. <laughs> <laughs> right because i know that that's what it was but it just just wow like a lot of people turned on him directly after yeah and it's interesting because i've actually had some people who are organizing against sheer follow me <laughs> and yeah. um yeah and uh so you know because i've had some commentary about for example brian pallister's letter to justin trudeau which was yeah. a really strong letter and you know, yeah, and that made me kind of think, hmm, somebody is trying to raise his profile. <laughs> <laughs> or he just suddenly became the voice of reason. He's he's the, what, what to, actually it was his letter that called it the bridge between uh, the East and West, right? Yep, totally, yeah. And uh, so... He's not there yet, but I think that was Brian Pallister saying, hey, you know, there is moderate collaborative conservatism still available in this country, and I'd like to be that voice. Um, and then, of course, you have Jason Kenney, who, in my view, is never going to be the prime minister of anything except for the land of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Wexit, Wacky. The, the kingdom yeah. of Saudi Alberta. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that one? <laughs> no. uh, anyway, yeah, somebody called it the Kingdom of Saudi Alberta, and I was like, oh, ouch. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, but, but yeah, like, there's, I think there is, um, you know, I think what we're going to see, which is, it's kind of like the reverse merger, because the original CPC merger allowed... You know the Stephen Harper supporters, the uh, the the reformers, the alliance. You know, definitely that more far right. They were the ones that were actually able to get into those power positions, and they've been there. And Sheer basically just imploded. Uh, and what that has done is it seems to have invigorated the moderate, you know, slightly more progressive conservatives. I can't say for sure. That they are progressive conservatives, but they're definitely pushing to move away from this social conservatism. They realize it's unpalatable to the electorate and people are starting to speak up. Maybe they always were, but their voices weren't being heard. And now that they are saying something different, I mean, it's it's really interesting to see. And uh, I, I'm personally, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, having worked with quite a few progressive conservatives, self-described, they tend to be a lot of talk and not a lot of action. So we'll see whether or not this 
materializes into anything substantive other than being a coffee party, but I digress. Okay. Well, I will say uh, this is something that um, that I have I've taken more of an interest in. You know, yes, I want to see, I absolutely want to see the Social Conservative Party uh, crash and burn. And they did. They elected zero seats. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But I do want to see that, right? I'm not, I I don't want to see them anywhere near power. But at the same time, the thing that I have realized, you know, looking at Shear's leadership and what could become of the CPC, the thing is, that I want to see a strong, I want to see a strong, basically progressive conservative option that, because I don't have that home federally. And I feel like, and granted, I have this, you know, really weird view of the world where I think that everyone should care. But I really think that people should be uh, rooting for a good, strong, uh, moderate conservative party that is not only a good opposition but might make good government because I think that's probably the the big thing that I've thought of since is that you know what party could form government and why should we all care because if this party someday forms government you want to be sure that it's actually a good government (laughs) that it's not going to do what UCP is doing to Alberta (laughs) yeah I guess the question is, is the Liberal Party now the progressive conservative party? And is the NDP the old Liberal Party? (laughs) And does the Overton window shift that way so that those two become the two? Um, Bobby's blowing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that, you know... I don't want to give it too much credibility, but this Western separatist thing, I said this before in podcasts that if it's a Trudeau minority, this separatist Western Wexit group is going to get really serious and they have. And I don't think that we're at the point now where we need to be considering any demands that they're making, quote unquote, but they are very serious about organizing they've registered to be a political party and they are going to be a political factor Uh, uh, i I won't say force but a factor yeah oh absolutely a factor they're they're reform alliance 2.0 and 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 that has to be they're they're directly going after the cpc's um what what did we call them the the reliable seats Right. Mm -hmm. These this is they know they can get elected here. And if suddenly they can't, that changes everything. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, likely they're only going to run candidates in Alberta, Saskatchewan, I would think. Maybe they try some places northern BC um, and uh, in Manitoba. If they can peel off 25 or 30 percent support, you look at then the conservatives can't form government ever. And right. if they succeed in getting a referendum to occur and separation does occur and knowing what I know about the climate, the political climate and temperature in Alberta right now, I think if there's a referendum, it would actually succeed. I think yeah. you'd probably see about 55, 56% support for separation right now in Alberta. There's um, a reason. Jason Kenney isn't planning on doing it for two years. Yeah, yeah. And let it calm down. Well, I mean, he started this fire, so. Yeah, I was going to say maybe, I don't know, maybe he's not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I, Jason Kenney's really smart politically, but this is where I think he's been a little too smart. And like I said, he's, he's started a fire now that he can't control. And that's a problem for him. And I don't think that he's going to be a viable federal CPC leadership candidate anymore because of it. And people have seen what he's done, the introduction of Bill 207, uh, the introduction of Bill 8, and just some of the social conservative payback that is occurring now. And it's going to be problematic for him. And 
he he's really limited his future. And so in some ways, I think the only way kind of path forward for him is to actually kind of continue down the independence pathway. Now, that being said, this panel that they've struck, I think, is an effort to have some people look at it and say independence isn't the right option, but we need to be more autonomous within Canada. And I think that's where they're going to try and steer it towards, but I'm not so sure that they can stop that train. Yeah, I no, I, I fully agree. I think it I like I was I was watching I was watching how Kenny took the narrative of and not even narrative, but he really addressed concerns that I think people appreciated. Mm-hmm. Right? In a way in a way where when Notley did it, it was everyone was like, Oh, she doesn't really care. Uh, whereas when Kenny was like, let's talk to this, you know, let's let's talk to people who are feeling these the Western alienate, uh, alienation, this separation anxiety, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he was like, let's talk to people. And I think that that was appreciated in, in you know, more than when when Rachel Notley did it. Now, at the same time, and I, I kind of thought that's smart, right? He's taking the narrative to his own. Um, he's because that's how you that's how you you keep control of it. You don't let the fringe party run away with it. You make it your own, and then you can lead it better. But I do notice as well that, um, and we are supposed to get into Wexit. We we've completely we've completely well, skipped for the the federal stuff. This is just <laughs> so representative of how weak Andrew Shear is that we're supposed to be talking about his party and his future and we wind up talking about a different level of government right <laughs> there's just nothing to talk about there so yeah yeah um uh, but no I I fully agree I don't I do not see Shear. we'll get back to Wexit I don't see Shear making it through the the leadership vote or what is it confidence vote well it's a a vote for yes. a leadership review and ah, okay. so then it would go to a question that would determine whether or not they think there should be a review. And if there should be, then they vote. And it's, uh, as I like to call it, the Tom Mulcair treatment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't see him making it through. But again, you know, I uh, as I've as I've said before, people said there were enough moderate progressive conservatives to stop Jason Kenney. That didn't happen. So if Sheer gets enough supporters to actually attend the conference, then guess what? He gets to stay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's all about, it's all about packing the room. <laughs> yep. And that's why the pro-life groups are winning right now in mm-hmm. places is because they turn out, they're very passionate about it the center or the progressives need to channel some of those methods and motivations to be able to fight back because Canada is 60% progressive if the current election or most recent elections to be believed, but they need to coalesce and really focus together. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And so, yeah, so Sheer has to go. Now let's go to, let's go to the NDP. So yeah. the NDP, um, you know, they lost some seats, but hey, their leader was still elected, so that's a win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, it didn't, didn't work out that way for every party. Yeah, no, that's true. I th- I think the problem with Jagmeet Singh is it was too little too late. He ran a really strong campaign, um, and I'm noticing an Anne McGrath sign behind you. And, uh, you know, she was repatriated to her homeland her socialist homeland after she lost in the alberta election um but she was one of the ndp strategists and you know she was quite visible on all of the mainstream media and i think that she probably played a large part in helping out with the campaign okay um but i think the campaign uh overall for the ndp ran really well there were a few gifts that were handed to sing including the blackface and him responding so well to it um and those showed what he's capable of now the question is going to be what he 
does with that goodwill that he's built up? Does he peter out? Does he disappear back into the background again for the next year and a half to four years? That would be political suicide. Well, it would be. Um, My gut tells me that's probably what's going to happen, though. And uh, so, you know, it was a good campaign. I think election results notwithstanding he probably won the campaign um he was the most consistent the most articulate i think he did the best job of articulating a policy vision and rising above kind of the noise um but my gut tells me he's probably going to fade into the background a little bit and be severely underwhelming in parliament and oh that's so dark I'm hoping that he got a a real taste of how fun campaigning could be. And hopefully he understands that we are now in a 24-7, never-stop campaign cycle, and he cannot stop. Time will tell. (laughs) I'm hoping, because I think he, because you're right, he had probably the strongest campaign. He he did so many amazing things. Um, You know, his... He was reaching out to to the younger voters. And, I mean, if he keeps doing that over the next four years, they are going to, they will, uh, they will be attracted to him in droves. Mm-hmm. So, like, he really has an opportunity, but he cannot go into the, sorry, fade away into the background. He has to be, he has to be in your face. He's got to be out there all the time. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he's if he's able to do that. Yep. Okay. So the Greens, because Elizabeth may step down, and was was that a surprise at all? I think Elizabeth May's been trying to step down for a while, but she was the only one elected. I. <laughs> the part of it that surprised me was how quick it was. And I'm curious if there's not some sort of deal to see her become the speaker. Mm, okay. Um, I once, I, I've heard many times that she wants to be. Yep. Um, which could either be incredibly brilliant or incredibly stupid. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I don't think there's a middle ground there. But, um, you know, she, she does have... Oh, brilliant sorry what's your incredibly brilliant well she has a reputation as being a great parliamentarian and working really hard and so my hope would be that if she was to become the speaker that she would do a really good job of being a fair arbiter of the political precedents and running the parliament not in a nonpartisan manner. Okay. But I'm not so sure that she's capable of doing that <laughs> when it comes to things that she might not necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. And I think there's danger in her being there and getting a little too big for her britches or having her head be a little bit too large. Um, I don't know. Trudeau needs the votes and having her up in the speaker's chair versus one of his own one of his own yeah there there might i was thinking too yeah there might be some logic there but um i mean if you sign an agreement with her though how do you enforce that you can't remove the speaker (laughs) so you can't well it's it's a good question i'm gonna have to look um but I believe that once you're elected as speaker, you are speaker till you step down or. Well, it must be when the party isn't, um, it must, yeah, no, there's got to be a party relation because Andrew Shear stopped being speaker. Uh, he stopped being speaker at an election. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. So yeah. is that, the yeah. Only so, way to- when there's an election, every time there's a new parliament, you select a new speaker. Okay. Yeah. So okay, so an election might be the only way to. Yeah, that wouldn't be cool. Yeah, I'll have and, to do some research because I'm not too sure. Yeah. 
Okay, and I and I I I second your hesitancy because there are there are many great things about Elizabeth May, and there are some times when you're just like face palming yourself until it hurts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's the risk with Elizabeth May, I think. Yeah. Uh, Are you trying to do the research right now? Yeah, I'm just looking to see, um, particularly in the British house, um, because they've had some pretty wacky stuff lately. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to bung up the podcast with me reading and being half here, (laughs) but... But if you could have found it really easily, then you could answer that question. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so what happens? So, what happens to the Green Party? I mean, they have three. They have three seats. Yes. So there are two other people right now who are elected Green MPs. Uh, plus, we have Jody Wilson-Raybould, who I'm pretty sure is uh, Elizabeth May's uh, choice for Green Party leader. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the Green Party, I'm not intimately acquainted with their constitution, but Mm. I don't believe that, I know she got to pick who the interim leader was, but I don't believe she gets to pick the new permanent leader, um, which would be kind of silly. But, you know, obviously, Elizabeth May holds quite a bit of sway with the Canadian Green Party. And I think if she was to endorse... Uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould as a potential successor, I think, with Jody's profile as well, that perhaps you could see her take that role. Um, there's not a clear heir apparent, though. And so the problem with the Green Party is very similar to the problem that the Alberta Party had for a long time. It was the Greg Clark Party. And... It was- it's the Elizabeth May party. When you say Green Party in Canada, you think Elizabeth May, right? And so without a clear... ...leader for like 13 years. That's, that's yes. a while in politics. Which should have given her time to develop some talent around her and raise their and profile. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, she... Um, did we talk about how badly the Greens... Uh, screwed themselves in that election which one or like in our recent election how honestly when it started there was enough of a of a climate um focus that the green party had the opportunity to have double digit seats did did we we did talk about that well we talked about where they were polling and that they were potentially challenging the ndp for third place right i think they gave them four seats tops yeah and we did it I, I, the problem with Elizabeth May, in my view, is she's not a strong campaigner and she's not an effective communicator when it comes to sound bites and to conveying a complex message in a simple manner. And that's something I think that Jagmeet does a lot better. I think Trudeau does it a lot better. Um, Andrew Shear just avoids the question altogether. <laughs> and so. So ultimately, it boils down to that. She just can't, it's that je ne sais quoi. She just can't make that connection. And, you know, when people meet her, work with her, know her on a personal level, generally speaking, they like her. Mark Taylor accepted. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, she just, she doesn't play well on camera and doesn't come across as somebody that you have a great degree of confidence in, in my view. Okay. Well, did you happen to read Mark's opinion piece, the Go Right Green Party? I just read the summary, (laughs) not the whole thing. Um, One of the things that he said, which I, because this is, this kind of, uh, this is a, this is completely a Mark thing. I learned this from Mark. Um, It all makes sense. But so, um, so a friend of ours, Mark Taylor, uh, is very comfortable and very, adamant in his conservatism. Mark was also uh, a board member of the federal Green Party for a number or two terms. So like a while. Anyways, um, 
the reason that this, like, so Mark explained to me one day, because I, I really wanted to hear this story, but I wanted him to explain how it is that he's conservative, yet, you know, the Green Party is supposedly uh, the furthest left. And how Mark explained it was, but they're not. They shouldn't be. Actually, that was his thing. Sorry. They shouldn't be that far left. And he's, you know, it's, it's, cons it's conservation. It's, it's conservation of our water. It's conservation of our environment. It's, uh, it's conservation for the next generation. This is, this should be a conservative friendly party. And now granted, leadership matters. Leadership absolutely matters. And maybe Elizabeth May took it further left because, um, I don't remember his first name, Harris. I believe it's Harris. Um, the previous leader of the Green Party had been a former Ontario progressive conservative. And the way that Mark put it was he was speaking Mark's language. That's how Mark ended up getting involved because he said, you know, he's he's talking like a conservative and he reached him. So, you know, Mark had an interesting opinion piece that is on political R&D and it was called Go Right Green Party. And it was kind of go back to these values of conservation and remember that these are conservative values. And there is a space for a right of center party because of where the CPC is sitting that the Green Party has an opportunity with a new leader to actually occupy that space. And that would be really interesting to see. Yeah, it, you know, conservatism as we think of it today is more closely tied to oil and gas in the energy industry <laughs> and big corporations. Oh, but that's an Alberta lens, though. <laughs> it's not, though. Think about the U.S. and Texas, right? And think about like even Saudi Arabia as a conservative kingdom, right? So great. So um, Alberta, Texas, Saudi Arabia, conservatives. Great. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, their influence has expanded to a national level now, right? Yeah. And um, well, an international level, but largely, I would argue now, conservative movements are tied to big business, and a lot of that was driven by oil and gas and the influence that they had over conservative parties. But the root of the word conservative is conservation, right? Right. So, <laughs> and the other thing that I think Mark's really smart about is. He talks about the political spectrum not just being a left-right linear, but it's more yeah. like a horseshoe. And the further left you go and the further right you go, the more similar you are as you get to the bottom of the horseshoe, right? And so I think that that's some of where he sees. And I, I think there's some merit to his argument about the Green Party. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who view the Green Party as a more conservative party, to be honest. Sometimes yeah. when you at some of their policies like yep. because I, I did right I started paying more attention since when since Mark had mentioned that yeah. to me a year and some ago and I started looking at some of their policies and I'm like uh wow like these these guys are actually more more conservative policy the populist CPC yeah yeah and the Green Party in some way does itself a disservice by calling itself the Green Party. Because when you think green, you think environment and you think climate change now, particularly, I would say, in the last 10 years. And they're pigeonholed a little bit because of that. And I think that they made some strides in terms of putting out a more comprehensive platform that wasn't just kind of niche issues. It did address other areas. But... Yeah. If I was to wave a magic wand and I was the leader of the Green Party, I would rebrand, certainly stick with the green colors, but rebrand and not have people think that you're just a party of hippy-dippy environmentalists. Because if you can do that and you can really play up how you are there for small business, you are there for entrepreneurs, you you know um, believe in conservation of nature, that type of stuff, then that gives you an opportunity. Okay, I just got super excited because I'm the not Green becoming Party... leader of the Green Party. <laughs> no, no, not you, not you, Ed Whittingham. Mm -hmm. 
he would be a well, great choice. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's got that. I mean, even though Kenny says he really isn't balanced at all, he really is in a in a fantastically logical, rational way. Oh, anyway, okay, maybe he listens. Anyway, um, okay. Oh, uh, this should be a short one. Uh, is the PPC dead, or does Bernie hand it off like Fildebrandt handed off the Alberta equivalent? I think the PPC is going to exist in some form for a little while. For me, okay. the the barometer of what its longevity is going to look like is going to be the 2020 election in the U.S. Oh, and oh okay, good point. I, I think for me, if the Democrats win 2020 you're going to see the populist movement fizzle. And... Oh. Oh. Yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah. Um, if Trump if wins Trump again... Win, you're going to see a... Oh, I, you're going to yeah. see a pushback. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that that'll give them a lot of momentum and oomph oh, that is That is going to be an election hangover, too. Yep. Um, <laughs> like a real one. I'm going to drink a lot. Um, okay, so let's let's go back to uh, Wexit, which is, I mean, Wexit matters not just to Alberta, Saskatchewan, but like we were already talking about, it is they are starting a federal party. Mm-hmm. If they are reform alliance point and they start stealing seats from the cpc that is definitely problematic for uh the, the conservative party of canada so you know as even if even if people east of manitoba or west of alberta would rather not pay attention to wexit it actually matters like it, I, the, the possibility of it matters well, it totally matters. And if you look at Brexit um, and these numpties, can we just call okay. them the, the block redneck wah? Yes, yes, we can. Yes, because that is such a high class name for them. And I would also like to return it from Brexit to rednexit. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I should not make fun of them like that. Um, if you look at Brexit... David Cameron didn't really take it seriously, but felt he had to pay attention to these voices that were feeling alienated or marginalized by being a part of the European Union. So he agreed to a referendum and decided to campaign for Remain. But he started this bushfire that got out of control and is still burning and has given us Boris Johnson as prime minister, the losingest prime minister in British history. And so, you know, we like to laugh. He's a joke. No, no, I don't like to laugh, but he's a real joke. He is a like real an joke. actual joke. A real joke, an actual <laughs> joke with lots of constitutional power. Exactly, but he may be—he may as well have been wearing the Mad Hatter hat, like like from the Mad Hatter Party, the party that like sometimes runs in British elections. He was a crazy choice, but again, this just shows you if you pack the room with supporters, you can win anything. Um, but yeah, okay, okay, Brexit, Brexit so is awful. It is awful, but it's very similar to what's happening in Alberta, where Kenny has given some overtures and some oxygen to the separatist movement and built up so much anger towards Trudeau and towards Ottawa and the Liberals that it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And like I said earlier, I'm very confident that if we were to have a vote today, Alberta would vote to separate. And so... As much as people are making fun of the people who are associated with the Wexit group and the whole concept, 
it is something that does need to be taken seriously because yes, it's outlandish. Yes, it's illogical, but so was Brexit. Yeah. And so, and for that matter, so was Trump. They didn't take him seriously and look where he is. Right. So. And at this point I want to plug a, a J Patrick Boyer forcing choice, the risky reward of referendums. It is, uh, yeah, it go. it basically goes into, this is what happens when you ask people to vote on something that, um, you know, messaging can get away from you. Social media can get away from you. All of these things that you think, oh, yes, we'll just put it to the people and they'll make the right decision. Mm, it, it That is not a guarantee. And, nope. and it is, and, and exactly, like, that's where, that's where Kenny, um, you know, on one hand saying, absolutely, you know, let's, let's legitimize this concern. It, there is no guarantee that he can control it. And even if he is arrogant enough to think that he can, right. Well, when you have Preston Manning, who's chairing this fair deal panel saying succession isn't the plan, but it needs to be part of the plan. Yeah. There's like the I, fact I that they're... sorry, go ahead. No, I just I think they're I think they're trying to pander to this sentiment. And you know, it actually it just brings me back to the twenty fifteen to twenty nineteen when I really, really, really wanted Rachel Notley and the NDP to say, guess what, people, things are changing, things have changed, we need to move forward. And of course nobody did. Because yeah. that would have seemed insensitive. Or something. But now we've got the same thing with Wexit, right? Is, oh, yes, let's hear everyone's concerns. Let's really, mm, or let's say, this is ridiculous. Let's move forward in this manner. Or maybe it's, I don't know. I I don't want to move, but I will. (laughs) Yeah. No, my family is actually looking at places to move and jobs and listing our house and we're making all the preparations just in case because I know you almost want to do it like that's the that's that's the thing that sucks is that it's like you want to do it now when somebody might still buy your house yep because if this becomes a thing you would have to ride it out or walk away and not many people can do that from their homes so um Oh, unless you're a refugee, but, yeah. Oh, wait, we would be. (laughs) Well, we would be crossing the Canadian border asking for asylum. (laughs) Right. Go stay with my cousin in BC that, you know, used to be just a hop, skip, and a jump away. Um, But, no, you're, like, it's, it it is, it's a, as, as much as people, as much as people say, like, that we don't need to think too much of it. It's just some crazy movement. It it really it really affects. Yeah, like I'm I'm thinking about how this affects me, because I wouldn't want to stay. I I would not want to. I wouldn't want to surround myself with that mentality. For, for a period of my life, um, so I mean I'm already thinking at that but yeah it's in a it's a it's a pretty scary spot to be in when you're like so do I have to sell now yeah well the other thing is if you look at Quebec they had the largest economy in Canada prior to the separatist movement gaining legs and they languished and their province shrunk and their GDP shrunk and you know Montreal used to be the financial capital of Canada and all of those companies and that capital moved to Toronto because of the separation movement. It created instability. And so this flies in Kenny's whole mantra of jobs economy pipelines. He might get a pipeline, but it'll yeah. be the dead last one. Jobs are leaving. People are leaving. Companies are leaving. The economy is shit. And so... It's completely counterintuitive to his narrative and his mission. And the only thing that I can think that motivates this is keeping the base angry, which keeps them voting. But at some point, that anger is going to turn towards him. And I would, I'd love to think that it's sooner rather than later. But I also think that, um, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of loyalty for Kenny. 
personally. I think there was, I think there was support for the cause of making yeah. sure that they are in government again. So I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Like, you know, he's got his $2 million pension. He can go live anywhere, probably back in Ontario. And I'm really curious if Alberta separates and he stays here though, if he still qualifies for that Canadian MP's pension. Oh, that would be fun. Well, he probably does. I think yeah. even if you, I think even if you move out with your Canada pension, you still get paid, even if you don't live in Canada anymore. Yeah. But that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Trudeau yeah. could just flip up a pen, though, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> if this becomes a real problem. Hopefully. Uh, but yeah, so like it's yeah, so that that's definitely something that that we have to keep an eye on, whether we think it's you know, whether we think it's got legs or not, um, it's putting a lot of people in a precarious position. So, yeah. And this whole panel for getting Alberta a fair deal within Canada, most of the stuff that they've kind of expressed an interest in looking at, they can do and they can do it unilaterally. So, no matter what, it's quite clear that the fabric of Canada is going to be drastically changed over the next 10, 15 years. And the question is just, do we recognize it or like it when all is said and done? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, I hate ending on notes like that, Robbie. <laughs> is there a, is there a, is there a good note? Is there something that, is there something that happened that was fun? Oh, uh, Don Cherry! Yay! Yeah, I can pick it up. A bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God, ten years late, but better later yeah. than never. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, see, that's ending on a much better note. <laughs> Alrighty, <laughs> and let's do this again soon. You can find political R and D podcasts, blogs, and our social media tags on our website at politicalrnd.ca. <laughs> Bye, Robbie. Bye, Deirdre. Thank <laughs> you.